Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast, enjoying the Australian Open as we are into almost the last 24 hours of the tournament. We're going to be enjoying the coronation of Naomi Osaka winning her fourth Grand Slam and her second Australian Open, defeating American outsider Jennifer Brady in straight sets this morning. Joining me as always is Michael Gillett, who as I am will be keeping a keen eye on Liam Brody's fortunes in a South African challenger. Um, during this recording, how are you feeling this weekend? Yeah, always switching my eyes between uh, the Zoom call and the tennis. Um, yeah, very good, uh, but I enjoyed the final this morning and uh, I'm very, very excited about tomorrow's final, which we'll definitely be going on to talk about. So our starting point for this episode is going to be that women's final, of course. And it was a comfortable win in the end for Naomi Osaka, as we'd predicted it in the last episode. An excellent performance from the 25-year-old American Jennifer Brady, um, making the final despite being ranked outside the top 20. Um, She'll definitely be a player that you'd expect to be pushing the top 10, um, depending on where the rankings lie next week. Um, but the match as a whole... Um, more more competitive in the first set, but um, Osaka really came on strong in that second. Um, but still, uh, despite a two sets win, it it was an entertaining match. Yeah, I think um, Osaka was just really really impressive. Um, we talked about in the last podcast, she hasn't lost a competitive match since the seventh of February twenty twenty. So that's over a year now. It's amazing to think she's been unbeaten for a year and she's still not world number one um that being more down to the fact she just hasn't been able to play as much uh, I, she hasn't gone world number one after this win I'm assuming she's probably become two but um yeah no it, it was a great performance from her I think Jennifer Brody can definitely be proud of herself I think she definitely played well at times in that match but there was just that sort of Six games, I think she lost in a row. It went from four all in the first set to being four love down in the second uh, before she sort of put up a good fight back um, or a, a, a sort of started a fight back. Um, so, yeah, I think um, Brady could definitely be proud, but I think it was just a little bit too much for her to to cope with today with Osaka being in the form that she's in. And I think in the post-match interviews, Brady kind of she she didn't really seem like someone obviously she'd be upset because she lost but she didn't really seem like someone who was too gutted about losing so I think she just knew that I, I don't want to say before the match because obviously you want to go out there with the hope that you can win but she was definitely just knew that she'd just been completely outclassed today and um Osaka was just the the much better player um but yeah, I think if she'd won the tournament, Brady would have gone well number 12, they said. So I'm assuming she's sort of late teens after that um, runners-up performance. But a, a semi-final at the US last year, now a Grand Slam final at the Australian. She's playing really, really well at the moment. As for Osaka, it's four Grand Slam titles now to Australia. Um, and yeah, she's just looking very good. She's, I think when we were saying on our DMs earlier, it would be interesting to see now, how she can do on, on clay and grass, having won two hardcore uh, slams twice. But, um, yeah, I think um, just fantastic performance from her. And, and you know, I, we'll, we'll definitely see her lifting this trophy 
uh, more times in the future. I'm very sure of that. Yeah, just 23. So hopefully a, a long and successful career ahead of Naomi Osaka. On to Brady and in the post-match interviews, uh, my take on it was just, I think, she was very appreciative of, of the two weeks she's had. Obviously, our first Grand Slam final at the age of 25. Um, clearly a player moving in the right direction. And I think, yeah, overall, she'll just be delighted that what a way to kick off the year. Um, and yeah, she'll definitely be yeah, looking to, she, I assume she'll be at a career high after this tournament. And um, yeah, we'll definitely be looking to break into that top 10 as the season progresses. Just back on to Osaka. I'm going to ask you, do you think she's ready to take on the mantle with the Williams sisters you'd expect um, set to be retiring in the next few years? She now has the most slams of a current player outside of those two players, Serena and Venus. And that's if you disregard Kim Clijsters, who has actually came back after seven years of retirement, but is now ranked the world number 1,015. So let's say in the top 1,000 players, um, Naomi Osaka with four um, has overtaken, I think Angelique Kerber had three. Um, so now really looks like the uh, the player to beat on the, on the WTA tour. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'd have to look it up. I can look it up when you're next talking. But I wonder how many Grand Slams the Williams sisters had at the age of 23. I would maybe think it's about the same, possibly a little bit more. I think um, they both started winning Grand Slam titles very young. But I think if you've got four Grand Slams at the age of 23, you definitely need to be talked about with, with being in with a shout of competing with them. Obviously, it's a long way off. Um, you know, you think Osaka's got more than 10 years left in her career so obviously we won't be talking about her catching the Williams sisters for quite a while she's got to improve her clay court game uh, quite a bit first and and I don't know what her furthest is at Wimbledon um, but I don't remember her going too deep um, correct me if I'm wrong on that if you know but um, yeah so she, I think she's got to translate it a little bit onto the other surfaces a little bit more with Williams was very strong on, on both grass and hard court. I think she won the French Open at least once. Um, but yeah, uh, I think she's definitely in with a shout of, of challenging them. Uh, still a long way off. They're, those two have dominated the, the support massively. So it's still a massive long way off. All, all it could be is a, a little injury or just sort of a massive turn in events. You know, you've got, we were talking earlier about Bianca and Andriescu, you know, is only, still only 20, winning the US Open at 18, then has had a year off from playing and has now come back and she's she looked good and got through her first couple of rounds at the Australian Open, I think, or it might have been the second round she went out in. Um, but, you know, considering she hasn't played tennis for a year and she's only 20, I think she might be a, a bit of a, a, a brick in the road for Osaka uh, in, in terms of going on to get the records. But, yeah, I, I think Osaka's definitely... Definitely in with a shout. Yeah, along with uh, Andreescu, um, we both mentioned uh, Sofia Kenin and Irina Sabalenka at, at 22 years old. Um, clearly players that uh, will be looking to be contesting with, with Osaka in the years to come. Of course, the world number one, Ash Barty, is only 24. I thought she was actually a lot older than that. Um, so, yeah, that's there's definitely some going to be some exciting tussles in the year ahead. Um just one more player. I feel like I'm missing. Igor Swiatek is, is quite young as well. I'm pretty sure the, the French Open champion. Yeah, I think Swiatek won that at the age of 19. Uh, so I don't know if she's still 19 or she might be 20 now. But um, yeah, brilliant. Loads of young players. And, and Simona Halep isn't 
She's not in her thirties yet, is she, Halep? I don't think. Um, I think she's twenty nine. Twenty nine, yeah. So like, she's still definitely got years in her, and and she's proved that she's fantastic on a Grand Slam level, and and won I think two or three now, but definitely two, maybe three, uh, two, yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many players, and I think you know it's quite nice in a way because I, I, sometimes it's good to see so many players in the hat to, to win Grand Slams because it's just so competitive and it has definitely been more competitive than men's tennis in recent years with sort of the, the big three just dominating on the men's side. And whilst I like that in the sense that it kind of means that when the players below the big three do win their slams, it, um, you know, it will be so much of an achievement. But um, I do also like the fact that with the women's side, you know, anyone can kind of get to the, the quarterfinal now. And if they're playing really well, they can feel like they've got a really good chance of, of winning it, which probably isn't the same uh, as on the men's side. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a completely different field when you look at the draw going into a Grand Slam. I think, um, yeah, Naomi Osaka, I think, was sort of five, six, seven to one shot to win this tournament just because of how open it typically is. Um, and in the dominant form that she's gone on to take the title, um, that seems a bit of a surprise. But yeah, definitely a, a statement victory at the, at the start of the year from Osaka. And we very much look forward to see how she gets on in the rest of 2021. Moving on to the men's side, and we're going to react to the final semi-final that took place on Friday. That's Daniil Medvedev beating Stefanos Tsitsipas, the the uh, conqueror of Rafael Nadal sits a pass in straight sets, um, 6-4, 6-2, a pass only break, broke Medvedev's serve once. Medvedev broke the Greek five times. Um, I was sadly at work, so I missed this match. But um, from the outside, and I haven't seen the highlights, it seems like a pretty comfortable win for Medvedev. Um, sits a pass, put in a gutsy third set together. But the Russian, Daniil himself, even said in, in his post-match thoughts that he could see that the the Nadal um, epic had, had taken some out of Tsitsipas. And um, yeah, as someone who watched it from start to finish, what, what was your verdict? Yeah, it was very much a, a one-sided performance uh, for, for Medvedev. Um, I don't think Tsitsipas played badly, in fairness to him. I've seen players looking a lot more tired and a lot more defeated out on court. I think Sitsipas did do well, uh, especially in that third set to sort of get that break back. Um, yeah, um, he, he, he was very competitive in, in the third set, especially, and I think um, Medvedev, in a way, might have been pleased that that did happen because I think if Medvedev, as, as good as coming through a semi-final in straight sets and very quickly you know, is for you. I think also if you haven't really been challenged at all in it, it's it's almost, you know, I, but whereas he really had that challenge to overcome in the third set, which I think will really spark his confidence uh, a lot more ahead of the, the big match tomorrow, which I know we'll, we'll go on to talk about. Um, but yes, yeah, it's past now has lost in three Grand Slam semifinals and make it now, um, which, you know, he's only 22, 23. Um, so 22. Um you know, it's still very early on, but, um, you know, it's a little bit frustrating for him, um, I think, considering, uh, sorry about that, my sound of my Liam Brody match just decided to switch itself on. Um, 
uh yeah it's a little bit of a hurdle now I think for Sitsipas to get over you don't want to get sort of this time next year and sort of find that Sitsipas has been in five and six semi-finals at Grand Slam so though that would be very good if he's made another sort of two or three this year I think you don't want him to have too many because then sort of going into the, the sort of primary years of his career um, you know, still not having got past that semi-final will, will, will be a, a big hurdle. But that win against Nadal is probably, I think, the most defining win of his career. Um, fantastic win for him. And I, I think uh, he can only push on from this. He didn't seem too downhearted in his press conference afterwards as well. I think he seemed um, quite appreciative. Medvedev's a player that he has struggled against. Um, and stylistically, Medvedev just seems to have the the upper hand on him, but uh, fantastic from Medvedev and, and some amazing stats uh, that he has at the moment. You know, I think it's 19 wins now uh, on the bounce and uh, 11 of them have come against top 10 players. And not only that, he's actually beaten every single one of the top 10 players, I believe, um, in that run. So, you know, it's just a phenomenal uh, achievement for Medvedev. I think his record uh, at the... Australian Open against top 10 players is 22 wins and, and five losses, I believe. Um, but that sounds too many. I might have got that wrong. I'll have to double-check that. Um, unless that's Djokovic's record. Could be. Um, but yeah, no, uh, fantastic uh, from Ebedev. Um, just really simple for him throughout the match. Yeah, Sitsipas is a player I enjoy watching a lot, but I have to say, as a, from a neutral point of view I was sort of hoping that Medvedev would get this win I think if he were to see Djokovic face Sitsipas in the final I just saw it being a lot more of a um, straightforward win for for the Serb whereas Medvedev more of a hardcore specialist than than the Greek so definitely poses maybe a a bigger test to to the world number one Um, so I think that leads nicely into previewing the final of course Um, so Djokovic Medvedev, the head-to-head record is 4-3 to Djokovic. But as you pointed out um, very interestingly before the podcast, that Medvedev has won three of the last four meetings. So he'll definitely have plenty of confidence coming into this one. And he took lots of pressure off himself or publicly did in in his post-match um, reaction to the win against Tsitsipas, just saying that Djokovic is the man in Australia. He's never lost a final. He's also had an extra day to recover. So kind of saying that all the expectation and the yeah the the pressure is is on the Serb to take his ninth crown. Um, so yeah, um, what are your initial thoughts on on just the matchup as a whole? I know we both predicted this uh, this exact final before the tournament. Um, you must be glad to see it materialise. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is the first time, I think, a lot of the time when I go into Grand Slam finals, in particular sort of Djokovic team last year, I maybe try and kid myself that I think someone like a team has a chance. And then obviously it was a very close final and and team probably should have won it. But um, I think this time is the first time I can remember in recent time where I'm actually going into it thinking Medvedev's going to win. I actually make him... No, he's, he's not favourite. He can't be favourite because obviously Djokovic eight out of eight uh, finals. But um, I, 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 yeah, I do think Medvedev's going to win. Uh, just quickly to correct myself, uh, the, 
the stats that are written down there were for Djokovic. So Djokovic uh, has a 22-win, five-loss uh, record against top 10 players at the Australian Open. And the last time he lost to a top 10 player at the Australian Open was seven years ago uh, to Stan Wawrinka. So that's a, an amazing stat, I think. Seven years uh, hasn't lost to a, a top 10 player. But then Medvedev's record against top 10 players is so impressive at the moment. I think there's just so many stats for each player um, that that suggest that they're going to win. Um, Medvedev at the moment um, is world number three. He's going to become world number two, actually, I was reading, um, even if he doesn't win tomorrow. So he will be the first player outside of Djokovic, Nadal, Federer and Murray to be a top two player since July 2005. Uh, that was Leighton Hewitt who did that. So um, you know, that's an amazing stat in itself. Um, so, yeah, if he wins that, he'll he'll have that record. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this match is, is going to be really good. Remember Dev's record, as you say, against Djokovic, winning three of the last four matches, um, beating him at the ATP Tour final 6-3, 6-3. Uh, one time they played at the Australian Open Djokovic won in four sets but Medvedev you know two years ago he was a good player but he's come on a lot over the last couple of years and the fact that he got a set off Djokovic then um, and and Djokovic won the tournament very convincingly that year Um, in fact his final performance against Nadal was the the best tournament uh, best tennis performance I've ever seen from someone so um I think, yeah, Medvedev definitely, with sort of his head-to-head against Djokovic, is definitely showing that he has a chance in this. And and I think it could be really interesting. I think the first set, I think, is going to be really important. I think if Djokovic wins the first set, um, it will be a big shame for Medvedev. Obviously, it'll be a shame, but I, I think it's important for Medvedev to win the first set because... You know, what? once Djokovic gets control of the match, he doesn't really let it go. Um, he's, and he's been growing into matches this tournament. You know, he's been starting a bit slower and, and then growing into them. So I think if he does start well, you you can think he's probably only just going to get better as matches go on. That's certainly what my take on Djokovic has been this tournament. Um, so, yeah. Um, just just really excited about this match. Um, I, I did have a little bit of trivia for you for you, Marcus, but um, I don't know if you want to come back on that first, and then and then we'll go for the the trivia on this this match uh, after your point. Um, well, I was just going to come in with some stats I prepared on on the big three and how dominant they've been, and just uh, as a result, me feeling not utter desperation, but I really want Daniil Medvedev to win the Australian Open. Um, we need a change. We need a new name on the cup. It's about time. Um, so, yeah, I just did some research last night looking into the proportion of, of Grand Slams that have, have been won by Nadal, Federer or Novak Djokovic. And even though we've talked about it and we've experienced it, it was still shocking, the just incredible dominance that they have produced. Um so here it goes. Um, just nine of the last 62 Grand Slams have been won by non-Big 3 players. And that dates back to the French Open in 2005. Um, so, yes, we're talking about 16 years and only having nine Grand Slams in that time that uh, were not Federer, Nadal or Djokovic lifting them. That's a, a non-Big 3 winner every six and two-thirds slam. So about one and 
almost one and three quarter years we go with the same players winning it. Um, and that's including 14 in a row before Dominic Team won the US Open, which maybe, of course, has a little asterisk. 14 in a row, that's that's three and a half years worth of slams um, before the last one. So, yeah, I think definitely as as people covering it, myself and Michael definitely want to change. Um, I asked a question to you last night, who, who you're supporting, because it does make the all-time race a little bit more interesting if Djokovic is to win and go up to 18 slams with Nadal and Federer on 20, of course. For me, I feel like Djokovic needs to win this in that race with the French Open around the corner. Uh, if he loses this, then Nadal stretches the gap to four between Djokovic and undisputed greatest of all time. I don't know. It's a matter of opinion, really. But um, but yeah, so it's, it's going to be huge for Djokovic. Obviously, the incredible record on his court, he comes in as, as rightful favourite. Um, so yeah, there's just a bit of context on the sheer dominance. I mean, it's been ridiculous. Out of those nine Grand Slams that were won by non-big three players, you had three to Stan Wawrinka, three to Andy Murray, one to Juan Martín del Potro, one to Marin Cilic, and one, of course, to Dominic Team. So we need another name in there, don't we? Yeah, I was just about to say, I think the, one of the most amazing things about that stat that you bring up is that three of them, of those nine ones that uh, were, were not won, three were won by Stan and three were won by Murray. So it's not even like, you know, we've had nine different winners. It's it's such a small pool of players that are winning slams. But I, like I said, just when we're talking about the women's, I do almost like it in some ways because I think it even adds even more prestige to winning a Grand Slam because it's so hard to do now. And, I, you know, I, I, the day, if this ever comes, that someone defeats Rafael Nadal in the final of the French Open, you know, all of that years of dominance, I think, will kind of almost be worth it because when that player does do that, if if that does happen, um, it will just be sensational. And, and if Medvedev could beat Djokovic, Djokovic at the Australian Open is not far off of Nadal at the French. He's um, never lost from a semi-final onwards. Um so obviously never lost in the final. Um, he's the all-time Australian Open champion, um, most titles, and, and he'll extend that, I think, by two. I think the next guy has seven. So I think uh, getting on to nine, he'll just widen the gap even more. Um, so, yeah, just amazing, uh, amazing stats from the big three. But, yes, we, we really need, uh, I think, a new winner. I think it's just good for the sport as well. You know, if it's just new names we can get talking about, we got a, a glimpse of the brilliant tennis Medvedev can do um, the um, ATP Tour Finals last year. And um, just he would actually be, I think, a really interesting point about Medvedev, if we think... Uh, Sitsipas, Zverev, Dimitrov, all the, the winners of the ATP Tour finals before that, they all then went on to the Australian Open uh, and put in very disappointing performances. I think Sitsipas may have gone out in the first or second round after winning it. I think Zverev, uh, about the same. They, they were really, really struggled after winning that title. Um, and this is the first time I feel that we've actually seen someone win that title, an underdog win that title, and then actually come into next year. He's still unbeaten this year in 2020, having played a few ATP Cup matches before. I think Russia won that. Um, so, yeah, um, just 
fantastic uh, stuff from Ever Devon. And as I said, I think he is going to win this. Um, just going to ask you a, a quick bit of trivia, Marcus. I think you should get this. Um, you know, you in your sort of research that you've done on the big three and sort of past things, I, I, I don't see where you're going to fail on this. There's one tricky one, maybe. Um, Medvedev is the ninth active player to reach an Australian Open final. So there's nine players still playing uh, that have been in Australian Open final. Can you name the other eight? So Medvedev is is uh, the ninth one. I like this. Very good. Um, okay, so I'm writing them down as I say them. Are you just gonna tick them off for me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tick them off. Yeah. Right. So we got Djokovic. That's my. Bet three six five stream of Liam Brody falls to the <laughs> onto the desk. We have Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. That's easy. Then we've got Andy Murray, who I think lost all five finals that he was. Well, obviously he lost them all, but I think it was five that he got to. So now we need another four. Um, Marin Cilic. Yes, correct. He uh, lost to Federer in the final. I think twenty eighteen. Yeah, um, we've got Joe Wilfred Songer, still a current player. You've, you've got the tricky one. Are you going to get them all now then? I, I thought that was the tricky yeah, one. Obviously, Stanford Renker, a champion. Yeah, you've got one more to get. One more. Um, right then. Um, not Dimitrov. Oh, I haven't said Dominic Team. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, it's not a hard one uh, to get. Yeah, so again, just showing how the pool is is quite small of those players to get in the final. I think all of the active players and and no, you know, only eight of them have played in finals. Medvedev now the, the ninth. Um, I think Djokovic of his eight finals, I think it's his, I don't know if I wrote this down, I think it's his fifth opponent in, in nine finals or sixth opponent, I'm not sure. Um I mean, Djokovic has played the bulk of them in, in the finals of his tournaments, probably all of them actually in the final of this tournament, other than uh, Chilich, because he played Federer and Ravrinka because uh, Djokovic, he'd already beaten Djokovic that year. So I think he's probably played seven. So yeah, Medvedev's probably the eighth player, actually. Um, no, sorry, the seventh. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, just very excited about this match. And I think... Uh, I'm gonna open it up with a prediction. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Medvedev to win in four sets. Bold. This is bold. I mean, I look back on when we both predicted Rafael Nadal to not win the French Open with uh, not. I mean, not embarrassment, but a bit of regret because he won the whole thing without dropping a set. Um, and maybe we shouldn't show, show such disrespect to Novak Djokovic, um, having been so successful at the Australian. I'm trying to predict with my head and not my heart. And my heart is saying Medvedev in five in an epic. Um, I, I do hope Djokovic is 100% fit or as fit as... I don't, I don't want to see him getting massaged two sets down and then struggling and like hobbling to the finish and Medvedev wins. You know, if Medvedev wins, I want it to be in five sets or four sets. You know, you want to see a, a, a proper match. Um, but, yeah, my head is saying Djokovic in four sets. Um, sadly, I just I just think 
in Grand Slam finals, these players can just go to another level, even if they just cram, just crawl their way there, struggling. I think the final, the big match player in them, which they have to be, having won 17 Grand Slams, I think Djokovic has another level to go to that, that he hasn't shown yet in this tournament. Um, and despite how well Medvedev's played, and I think he definitely will get a set, um, my second prediction would have been Djokovic in five rather than four. I don't think he wins in straights. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. But, yeah, I just think Djokovic has another gear to go to um, because it's the final. Um, and he's, yeah, he said he would have retired against Fritz, but he didn't because it was a grand slam and his most successful one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in my head, I'm, I'm struggling to see how Medvedev can overcome him. I think that there'll definitely be moments in the match where Djokovic's level will drop and Medvedev simply has to capitalise on them. Um, you, you know, we can't, he can't let Djokovic, as you said before, just battle back some, some control and, and some momentum. If Djokovic, if Medvedev gets ahead in a set, he has to win it because I don't think he's going to have that many opportunities. I can see a fair few tie breaks in this match, like at least two because they've both been serving so well. Um, but yeah, I I want Medvedev to win, but I think Djokovic will just play some tennis that is out of this world and win in four sets. I think um, there was an interesting war of words a little bit ahead of this match. I know you said earlier how Medvedev was sort of taking the pressure off himself. Then I think Djokovic responded with... Um, he said something along the lines of we all talk about the next gen coming up, but realistically it still isn't happening. Um, and, and, you know, just sort of, and it was all fair and, and true stuff, you know, as we've been talking about, they, they haven't. But um, I noticed in the Sitsipas match, I know you didn't see it, Marcus, but um, there was some potential gamesmanship from Sitsipas here, uh, from Medvedev here and there, um, sort of, going to serve and then suddenly deciding that he needed the towel halfway through sort of doing his service motion. And I, him and Sitsipas have a little bit of history. And I do think Medvedev was trying to annoy Sitsipas at times. He was, you know, he was two sets up and a break up and he was going up to the umpire telling him that Sitsipas's dad was talking too much in the crowd and that he needed to, to shut him up. And I think, you know, I'm not against that sort of thing on court. I think, you know, there's a, there's a, point where it's too far but um, I think a few mind games on court you know it's part of the sport I don't I don't have a problem with that but I, I do think Medvedev I wouldn't be surprised if we see Medvedev maybe trying to do that again uh, to Djokovic maybe Djokovic is actually trying to play really fast this tournament for someone who we normally watch being quite slow bouncing the ball sort of millions of times he's actually trying to play really fast this tournament and I, I think that's key to why his serving has been so good and I do think we might see Medvedev just maybe try and get in his head a little bit, but whether he'll be stupid to do that, I'm not sure because, you know, getting into Sitsipas, well, I don't think he actually got into Sitsipas' head, to be fair, but it's a different can of worms, I think, when you, you're trying to do that to the greatest Australian Open player of, of all time. But I think that's just the point. Um, to remember that there has been a little bit of, of, of words between the two of them, not directly, but... Um, I think Medvedev will go out there tomorrow and, and he'll be prepared to do absolutely anything to, to uh, what am I trying to say? He'll, he'll do whatever it takes. He'll do absolutely anything. 
Yeah, I agree. I think one of my favourite things about watching Daniil Medvedev is an almost lack of respect for the player across the court. And even though it's Djokovic, you know, he, he won't play the name Djokovic. He'll play his own game. You know, he'll concentrate on his side of the court. He'll think, yeah, he, he's not worried. He's not phased, um, which I think we've definitely seen happen to the likes of Sasha Zverev and, and Stefano Tsitsipas, maybe. Um, Medvedev doesn't care definitely as much. Definitely Dominic team. I think Dominic team, and I'm, this isn't a criticism of him, it's hard not to do this, but I, I find that he quite often gives way too much respect to the other players. Um, so I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, Medvedev will yeah treat them like any other player. I think it'll be hard for him to get into Djokovic's head. He might rile him up a little bit, but that sometimes tends to make Djokovic play even better. Um, but yeah, which is why I think Medvedev maybe stands out as our sort of <laughs> next guy to, to to win a sort of stretch of, of slams because mentally we think he's a bit more he's a bit more composed um, and yeah he definitely backs his own ability and yeah even though he's got one day less to recover I mean Djokovic needs another day to recover the fitness issues he's had during the tournament. Um, Medvedev will, will firmly believe that he, he can win this tournament. Um, and yeah, I think he took a lot of a lot of that confidence from the ATP Tour Finals win, obviously winning every single match there, including beating Djokovic in the in the group stage. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be an epic match. I, I really can't wait for this one. And it is the first time for me that I feel like we're going into a Grand Slam final with um, an up-and-coming no Grand Slams one player against a big three player and this is the most I've thought like this is the day <laughs> it's like Murray in the Wimbledon final like he'd been in so many Grand Slam finals but there was that that second one against Djokovic you were like this is the one where it happens and despite my Djokovic to win prediction which I, I you know I, I still stick with I think you know team at the Australian last year team in in, in French Open finals you felt like Djokovic was and Nadal were massive favourites but now it does feel like the scales are levelling a little bit. And Medvedev's played some incredible tennis in the last few months. So, yeah, I've got a really good feeling about this. It, it, sh it should be an epic. So just a final note on today's episode on some fortunes a little bit closer to home. And this is Liam Brody at the Potchef Stroom Challenger in South Africa. It, the match is ongoing, so we're not going to be able to give you any definite uh, results or conclusions. But Djokovic, um, Djokovic, bloody hell, in his dreams. Uh, Liam Brody uh, is in the semi-final and is putting together one of the better runs of his career, I have to say. He's into the top 200 now. And he's been a really interesting player of the years. He's had his battles off the court. Um, but he's showing some really good form on it. And he's he's taking on Gabashvili of, of Russia in the semi-final um, live now. He's won the first set 6-1. He's a breakdown 3-1 in the second. But yeah, some good vibes about Liam Brody. He's definitely a player that me and myself and Michael have enjoyed watching over the years. And maybe a, hopefully a player that can do a bit of a Dan Evans and develop in, in their late 20s, early 30s and uh, push on into the top 150 this year. Yeah, for sure. And um he has been, it was when I was looking yesterday, uh, he's been in six challenger finals now and lost all of them. So it's a bit of a Felix Auger Aliassime record, but on the, the challenger tour, 
he hopefully should make this um, uh, final with being a setup. Obviously, the second set's looking a bit more complicated. Um, and the second seed, uh, Bonzi, who was still in it, and last week's champion in, in Pochestrum, uh, he's out. So Brody actually would be the favourite to win this tournament now. So I think, you know, if he can finally get over the line in a challenger final and, and, and get that title, it, it could be a really good... Um, uh, just a, a really good sign for him just to, to push on and, and maybe, you know, challenge. The, the dream, I think, for him is to get into the top 100. And, you know, I, why can't he do it? Um, so let's see. But as we say, this match is ongoing. So by the time you're listening to it, he could have lost in the semi-final. Well, yeah, still kudos is due to Liam Brody. He's had a very good start to the year. Um, and we, we hope that that continues for the foreseeable. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of Tennis Fanlist. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Tennis Fanlist. Um, keep it simple. That's that's where to find us. Nearing that big ton. So uh, if you fancy going over and helping us out, that would be much appreciated. Our DMs are open. If you want to get in touch with any suggestions or just anything else tennis related or not tennis related, we're, we're pretty active on it. Um, so, yeah, it's been a delight covering the Australian Open. Um, we will have one more episode uh, just to review that final. Probably we'll probably do that tomorrow. If not, we'll do it on Monday. Um, so, yeah, just enjoy the tennis. It's been a great tournament. It's been a pleasure to bring you coverage of this Grand Slam. Only our, our second one. Actually, no, sorry, our third one, I think, as a, as a podcast. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for joining me, Michael. Thank you very much for having me as always. And uh, yeah, very excited about tomorrow. So just looking forward to it. Thank you for listening, guys. Stay safe.